Jane's well-known R.A., old Sir Malcolm Reed. Her mother had been one of the cultivated Fabians in the palmy, rather pre-Raphaelite days. Between artists and cultured socialists, Constance and her sister Hilda had had what might be called an aesthetically unconventional upbringing. They had been taken to Paris and Florence and Rome to breathe in art, and they had been taken also in the other direction, to The Hague and Berlin, to great socialist conventions where the speakers spoke in every civilised tongue and no one was abashed. The two girls, therefore, were, from an early age, not the least daunted by either art or ideal politics. It was their natural atmosphere. They were at once cosmopolitan and provincial, with the cosmopolitan provincialism of art that goes with pure social ideals. They had been sent to Dresden at the age of fifteen, for music, among other things, and they had had a good time there. They lived freely among the students. They argued with the men over philosophical, sociological and artistic matters. They were just as good as the men themselves, only better, since they were women, and they tramped off to the forest with sturdy youths bearing guitars, twang, twang. They sang the van der Vogel songs, and they were free. Free! That was a great word. Out in the open world, out in the forests of the morning, with lusty and splendid-throated young fellows, free to do as they liked, and, above all, to say what they liked. It was the talk that mattered supremely, the impassioned interchange of talk. Love was only a minor accompaniment. Both Hilda and Constance had had their tentative love affairs by the time they were eighteen. The young men with whom they talked so passionately and sang so lustily and camped under the trees in such freedom wanted, of course, the love connection. The girls were doubtful, but then the thing was so much talked about. It was supposed to be so important. And the men were so humble and craving. Why couldn't a girl be queenly and give the gift of herself? So they had given the gift of themselves, each to the youth with whom she had the most subtle and intimate arguments. The arguments, the discussions were the great thing. The love-making and connection were only a sort of primitive reversion and a bit of an anti-climax. One was less in love with the boy afterwards and a little inclined to hate him, as if he had trespassed on one's privacy and inner freedom. For, of course, being a girl... One's whole dignity and meaning in life consisted in the achievement of an absolute, a perfect, a pure and noble freedom. What else did a girl's life mean? To shake off the old and sordid connections and subjections. And however one might sentimentalise it, this sex business was one of the most ancient, sordid connections and subjections. Poets who glorified it were mostly men. Women had always known there was something better something higher, and now they knew it more definitely than ever. The beautiful, pure freedom of a woman was infinitely more wonderful than any sexual love. The only unfortunate thing was that men lagged so far behind women in the matter. They insisted on the sex thing like dogs. And a woman had to yield. A man was like a child with his appetites. A woman had to yield him what he wanted or like a child, he would probably turn nasty and flounce away and spoil what was a very pleasant connection.
but a woman could yield to a man without yielding her inner, free self. That the poets and talkers about sex did not seem to have taken sufficiently into account. A woman could take a man without really giving herself away. Certainly, she could take him without giving herself into his power. Rather, she could use this sex thing to have power over him, for she only had to hold herself back in sexual intercourse and let him finish and expend himself without herself coming to the crisis, and then she could prolong the connection and achieve her orgasm and her crisis while he was merely her tool. Both sisters had had their love experience by the time the war came, and they were hurried home. Neither was ever in love with a young man unless he and she were verbally very near, that is, unless they were profoundly interested talking to one another.